and welcome to another extraordinary episode of Chinwag, the most extraordinary episode yet. I'm Paul Giamatti, and I'm joined by my friend, co-host, expert on all things bizarre, Professor Stephen Asma. Yeah, and we are recording this in Denver, Colorado, where we were happy to take part in a live Series Fest panel on starseeds and aliens. Extraordinary stuff. Uh, before we get going... I do want to thank Denver Community Media for coming in on a Sunday and helping us record today's podcast. Many, many thanks. Thank you so much. Uh, now, while in the Mile High City, we did not want to miss the opportunity to speak to a real-life investigator of UFO sightings, Katie Page. Uh, Katie is also the co-host of MUFON What's Up Radio broadcast and is currently writing her second book, High Strangeness, on a Colorado ranch. Welcome, Katie Page. Thank you for coming to speak with us. Steve, let me ask you a personal question. <laughs> okay. <laughs> do, you have, do you have a mother, Steve? I do indeed. Fantastic. Don't we all? <laughs> yeah, well, yes, we all do, but I'm sure you're a good son and you love your mother, don't you, Steve? Uh, uh, the best. I'm like legendary. <laughs> Very good. <laughs> Very good. Well, I got a tip for you. You can really win Mother's Day. Win your mother over on Mother's Day. Cement your reputation as this really good son. Give your mom an Aura digital picture frame. Have you heard of these things, Steve? Yes, I have. They're loaded up with decades of photos. You can just like hook them up to the phone and then you get the photos running through it, kind of scrolling through it. You seen these things? Yeah, they're great. They're really cool. Yeah, and you can get everything. Uh, and Pictures of your mom, pictures of whoever, your family, your brothers, all, all these things. Things. They're a wonderful item. And right now, Aura has a great deal for Mother's Day. Listeners can save on the perfect gift by visiting AuraFrames.com to get $30 off plus free shipping on their best-selling frame. That's A-U-R-A-Frames.com. Use code word ChinwagPod at checkout to save. Terms and conditions apply. This is Paul Giamatti speaking. And this is Stephen Asma. And this episode of Chinwag is sponsored by BetterHelp. It is indeed, Steve. Let me ask you a blunt question. Do you ever feel stuck, Steve? <laughs> I'm serious. Do you ever feel kind of stuck in the mud? Every day, my friend. Yeah. Every damn day. And then what happens is you get overwhelmed because you're kind of stuck, right? True. As I get older, and I am getting older, folks, I may not look it. You may <laughs> think, oh, he's like Dorian Gray. He's going backwards. Yeah, wow. Wow, he's, he's, he's going backwards. I am getting older, folks. It's hard to believe. The thing I notice is how important it is to maintain a balance. You know, I guess you'd call it work-life balance. I don't think I'm alone here, but therapies help me do this, this balance. It can help you find equilibrium. It can help you feel more empowered in the decisions you make, the boundaries and priorities you set. It's good in that way. So if you're thinking of starting therapy, give better help a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. And all you have to do is fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist, and you can switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Sometimes that's hard, right, to find the right person. So this helps. You can change. So learn to make time for what makes you happy with better help. Visit betterhelp.com slash chinwag today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp. H-E-L-P dot com slash chinwag. Thanks for doing this. Oh, Katie, my absolutely. pleasure. Yeah. yeah, thanks for having me. Absolutely. It's my favorite topic. Good. Well, it's, <laughs> it's, kind of, it's kind of 
one of our favorite topics it is. too. I mean, it's a thing I've been interested in all my life. Yeah. Yeah. And I've never had any experience of anything. So it's not like I have that kind of grounding in it, but it's like I've just been interested in it my whole life. And I feel like you hear less about it now than you used to at one time. Yeah. But I don't know that it's happening less, is it? Is it like actually well, not occurring as much or do you or is it just happening as much we just don't hear about it yeah so abduction for me is interesting in in you know i just need to uh, for me i kind of came in as came in as a skeptic and, uh -huh. and my experiences I had had a lot of military involvement so one of my questions has always been how much is like your shirt uh -huh. <laughs> mind control MK Ultra yeah. black access black access special projects you know these things uh -huh. I mean we know there's over 150 uh, of these projects going on since post-world War II uh -huh. and so how much is it is military and not. So when it comes to the abduction phenomenon, uh -huh. for me it was like this logical process of okay, first you need to decide for yourself whether you think we're actually being visited by extraterrestrials uh -huh. or other beings that can actually physically get to Earth. Uh -huh. You know, because you talk about propulsion and transportation. How are they getting here? Are there portals? Is there, you know, all this stuff. So then the next logical step is if you say yes to that and you believe they visited and perhaps they even seeded humanity. Right. Mm -hmm. And and we are them. In star some, and star they're, seeds. They're, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah it's they're a little different us. from star seeds. Yeah. A little. Yeah. yeah. If they messed with our DNA, yeah. you yeah. know, in the past, it would make sense to me because I think if we visited another planet, we would probably abduct yes. and study. Right. <laughs> yes. So yes. if you believe. Mess with people, yeah, sure. Right. right. Yeah. So it's just like the next logical step. Right. Uh -huh. If we believe they are here, then uh -huh. they're probably taking people. And for what purpose? And yeah. you hear all different theories on yes. this. And of course, you know, there's really credible cases, the Travis Walton case from 1975, and I know Travis. And, yeah. and when I first met Travis Walton, I'm like, that's a haunted man. Like, uh -huh. you know, he he his story changed in the fact where he at first was it was a terrifying experience for him. We should when we he was should just injured. yeah we should yeah. for people who don't know that story yeah. we should just sketch it really quick. Right, yeah, he, he's right. a logger yeah. with his friends, and then what ha he's just driving down the road, and then what happens to him? Like exactly right, they they see a light. You know, he's got all the his, I think how many were there six there or were seven. A bunch of guys. Yeah, a bunch yeah. of guys, all the loggers in the pickup truck, and Travis gets out, and you know they're like, "Get back! Yeah. What are you doing?" Yeah. And he basically he was the one he, guy. He was yeah. the one guy that got hit and struck with this blue beam of light and, and disappeared and disappeared yeah. and and for like you know, a week, right? Yeah. Or several days, yeah. right? And then he reappears in town, and and um, you know, Travis, I believe something really happened to him, and he has the film Fire in the Sky, and yeah. he's remaking it because, of course, they sensationalize that film a little bit. He goes, no, but you know, where that was a really terrifying experience for him, and I can't really speak for him, but just talking to him personally, he later come to realize that perhaps they took him aboard the craft to actually heal him. You know, and, and they brought him back and kind of fixed him. Otherwise, oh, he might have died. So he kind of looks at it as like they protected him and saved him. So does oh. he feel like he he changed in a kind of positive way from this? That yes, was, so many abductees it, do. Oh, they do. Mm -hmm. So it's there's there's a kind of psychic growth that happens for a lot of these people. There's a kind of like expansion that happens rather than the trauma of like of, of inhibiting you it can open you up yeah that is so common and um so we have um we lost him recently but there's a very well-known hypnotherapist he was a psychologist out of laramie wyoming by the name of dr leo sprinkle uh -huh. yeah, and he yeah, yeah and he worked with contactees and abductees and also did past life regression and hypnosis and that and so I spent three and a half years digging through his archives and research and reading letters, and I got the book out of it, Letters of Love and Light, because Dr. Lee would always sign his letters, Love and Light Leo. And um, 
What's interesting is through his 40 years of research, he found very very similar commonalities between abductees and this process they go to, through. Because when you're a child and if you get abducted young, it is a very fearful experience. Even when you're older, being taken away is something terrifying. But mm -hmm. what he found is you kind of go through this period of isolation where you're alone, perhaps depressed, you get PTSD, mm -hmm. and then you kind of get set on this path mm -hmm. of this mission. A lot of these people feel they have a mission or mm -hmm. a goal to accomplish, whether it's environmental, whether it's scientific, you know, different people have different things they just feel driven and passionate about. And this contact never seems to leave these people. They have lucid dreams. Mm -hmm. They feel almost, um, they have more psychic abilities, mm -hmm. more intuitive. Mm -hmm. You know, um, A lot of musicians, artists. Um, but you know, the, all, you know, the, the stereotype of it is so negative. Like yeah. when you hear about it, it's always like, well, you were dissected on a, you know, on an <laughs> yeah. operating table. No, you're violating. Yeah, you're violating. Yeah. Really yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So yeah. this is really interesting to hear is that the most, in your research, you're finding more stories that are actually positive and transformative. Than, Eventually, than they negative. start very spiritual sure. and then they shift. And, and a lot of it, too, can be spiritual. You, you become more spiritually awakened. Mm -hmm. um, so, yeah, it's it's really interesting. There's one thing I want to just to backtrack a little bit about something you said, because I'm just interested that you started off saying this, that you were a skeptic mm -hmm. initially. Mm -hmm. yeah. And and so how did you what, – what drove you to want to look into it in the first place? Yeah. And, and how did you – so you're not a skeptic. You still consider yourself skeptical? It depends on what day of the week. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. In and out of skeptic. Yeah, I feel that I mean, way too, though. Yeah, yeah. I, yeah. You know, what day of the week, like what, what, what hour we're talking about. Like I go back and forth all the time. I do too. Yeah. There's so much to it. It's so deep. Yeah. Um, but how did you even get drawn to it? Like what was it about it that drew you to it in the first place? You hadn't had any experiences with this stuff. Oh, yeah. I oh, had. you had? Okay. Oh, yeah, oh, yeah, okay. yeah. Okay. Okay. My grandfather was in the Navy. Um, he lived in Wisconsin in Lake Geneva, and he had a oh. sighting over Lake Como of this oblong-shaped craft. Uh -huh. Now, this was before my birth, but it was investigated by J. Allen Hynek. Uh -huh. And so growing up, I had heard this. Who and was, going, a very famous, yeah. was a very famous. Oh, very yeah, famous. very famous yeah. investigator of this stuff. And then we lived in Illinois, so going back from Lake Geneva to our home in Illinois, in Richmond, my mom always talked about this oblong-shaped craft that we saw on the side of the road. We pulled over, and she always said, Katie, you were in the car seat. You got zapped. You were like catatonic oh, after really? that. Exciting. Wow. So that was sort of always a, you know, around Thanksgiving Day dinner, we'd always hear this story, right? Um, <laughs> the, so, that, that story. Here's the, the time you guys so fast, yeah, fast, <laughs> yeah. fast forward to 1970, we moved to Colorado. Uh -huh. You know, my mom, she was a computer operator for United Airlines and worked at the computer side. She started, she divorced my father, started dating this gentleman who owns this ranch out in Elbert County, Colorado. Okay. So I didn't live on this ranch full time. We would visit the the two younger boys that live there, attended Cherry Creek School District, which is a large school district here in Colorado. Mm -hmm. And so we would drive the back the boys back and forth to see their mom to the ranch and sometimes spend, you know, weekend nights or something out there. And this ranch predated the Skinwalker Ranch. Uh -huh. Linda Moulton Howe, um, from 1975 to 1978. There was a rash of cattle mutilations. Okay. Linda Moulton Howe was an investigative journalist. Yes. And it wasn't just cattle. It was horse and cow and sheep and uh -huh. even dog. Oh. There were really? Black, I didn't know yeah, that. It's there always... Wait, can, yeah. can I bet? Can, can we yeah. pa pause there for just a moment? Because this is super intriguing to me. I'm definitely more on the skeptical side, I think, uh -huh. than Paul is. But the cattle mutilations and the animal mutilations really freak me out. Like, yeah. are these the cases that Paul and I have talked about before where 
there's some kind of really cl clean surgical cuts that make you think it's not an animal. Is that is that the idea? Yeah, absolutely. And and back in the day, and of course, I'm not the cattle mutilation expert. We have Chuck Sukowski, mm -hmm. who is actually local Colorado, um, mm -hmm. as well as Christopher O'Brien wrote several good books about it, and Linda Moulton Howe. Mm -hmm. um, but I have, um, in, so I've investigated this ranch property now for over a decade. The Albert Ranch. The Albert County Ranch Albert for County over Ranch. a decade. And this is the one you had experience experiences with as a child. on. Yes, okay. yes. And my question always was how much was military and how much was actually paranormal unknown, uh -huh. including the mutilations. And, and in, in um, interviewing these ranchers that have experienced mutilations and stuff, because I thought, well, maybe the military's doing it. Maybe they're testing the uh -huh. water, the uh -huh. ground. Because we have the Titan, thing, the black right? helicopters, yeah, is, all the stuff, yes. and they were menacing people. And and what's that about? And so I, that's always been my question. You know, which was it? What's going on? Yeah. And um, but after interviewing some of these people, one story in particular, I drive to Wyoming to conduct this interview. And her family, if you go to the Elbert County Museum, her family pioneered this area, this little town of Kiowa. And she, right out of high school in 1978, moved to Rama, which is right on the border of Elbert County, pretty close to the town, when all this height of mutilations were happening. Mm -hmm. Her husband was out on horseback checking the cows for calves, comes across a dead calf on the ground. And there was four cuts in a perfect square mm -hmm. with the top of the fur removed, mm -hmm. but the skin was still there. He gets on the horse, goes oh, wow. back to the house, gets my witness, they drive back in the pickup truck, which took about 20 to 25 minutes. When they got back, that little calf was completely completely mutilated, cauterized, organs removed, blood drain, only that thing around the calf. 25 minutes. 25 gap. minutes. They said they it felt eerie. They felt they were being watched by something. This was miles off the county road cauterized in the middle. Cauterized, cauterized, like clean, clean like. Cut. And here's the great thing. So we're friends on Facebook. She's like, Katie. You're not going to believe this. I found the photographs. And what's really cool is they had photographs of calves that are attacked by coyotes. Mm -hmm. So coyotes will jump up on the hind and just rip them alive. Mm -hmm. Right. This is cauterized, blood-drained. And geometric shapes and Organs shits. removed. <laughs> but, but, no. But, but, but I've read marks. stuff that says that, that there is some, there's been some, you know, uh, experiments done with leaving a carcass out and that you can get... The sort of blood loss thing, like the settling of the blood yeah. can make it seem like there's no blood in the thing anymore. And that in some ways, some of these parasites eat the asshole and stuff. <laughs> yeah. That it like, <laughs> that it comes, that it can mimic it pretty closely. Yeah. But, but, but the thing that freaks me out is this thing about these clean, scarred wounds right. that and are like closed wounds like that. Right. Which and this be was anything. in a 25 minute period. I mean, one of that's the things crazy. that is I've reported. That's crazy. Yeah. That's really crazy. Yeah. And one of the things that, you know, is reported and in, in even wit talking with my witnesses, like mountain lions, we have mountain lions out sure. here and coyotes with these mutilated animals, they won't approach them. They won't right. eat them. Oh, right. really? They'll yeah. leave them alone. Bugs, not right. even gnats. And that's what will I've heard. That there's no evidence of any predators. There's no. no. There's not. You would see the evidence that something was there eating this thing. Right. So it's as if they've been either attacked from above. Something's yeah. happened from above, which would suggest like helicopters or something like that. Perhaps what, what or is something. The, what, you know, but what 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 would the military ex like? I I have no theory on this. Like I find it very troubling. But like if, if it's the military, you know, what are you thinking? Might what in the community? What's the general theory 
that, that goes along the lines of this. The military is doing an experiment on an animal. Like, wh what would why? they be doing? Yeah, why? Yeah, why? why? Exactly. I don't know, like why contaminated water, ground, uh, mad cow disease, different oh, different theories like samples. that, or genetic, you know, blood, oh. I, you know, things like that. But, but do they have? Couldn't they just approach? And, exactly. And <laughs> yes, yeah. It seems yeah. like there's an easier way to do that that's than come I in and too. kidnap the cows and cut them up. I mean, that's crazy. That doesn't make any sense. I agree. And, and something that Chuck Sukowski just brought up recently in a, in a podcast I was listening to with him. It's like this has been going on now for, you know, 40 years, Long 35, time. 40 years. Yeah. And we don't have evidence of any mistakes happening. Like there's no human mistakes going on. And another thing you have meaning to remember, meaning, meaning no... like we don't have, you know, things left behind or Whoops. book tracks yeah. or yeah. Oops, you know. Whoops, the wrong <laughs> cut, a bad, poorly made exactly, cut. Exactly. Thing, yeah. Exactly. And the other thing to remember is in the midst <laughs> of this height of these cattle mutilations that were happening in Elbert County, we there was a ten thousand dollar reward at the time, which ten thousand dollars in nineteen yeah, seventy six. That, sure, that, yeah. That's yeah, a lot absolutely. of money. Yeah. Yeah. People had loaded shotguns by their door. They're like, <laughs> they had like lookouts at night. They were actively yeah. trying to catch like these perpetrators. People were on edge. People were scared. <laughs> sure. They thought they were going to go to humans next. We we had the Colorado Bureau of Investigations involved. Oh. The governor involved. Really, this was huge. Yeah. I mean, when I went, I flew to Florida to do some interviews um, with the undersheriff's widow and his son because we had the undersheriff Bill Waugh and George Yarnell. They were both in Linda Moulton House film, A Strange Harvest, which okay. I recommend watching. Okay. Um, so I went and flew in and interviewed them for a day. And, um, you know, she she's like, you don't understand. They actually had a no-fly zone over the county. I mean, there was so wow. much that was going on at wow. the time. So my question always was, you know, like you said, why, why would the military do this? And that property where the, a lot of the phenomenon happened, although it happened all through Elbert County, um, but it was vacant for 10 years. If they wanted the property, they, meaning military, they would have just purchased the property. Right, <laughs> you know, exactly. It doesn't make sense to me. No, it doesn't yeah. make any sense. Mm -mm. More with Katie Page after this ad. Have you ever wondered why we call French fries French fries? Or why something is the greatest thing since sliced bread? There are answers to those questions. Everything Everywhere Daily is a podcast for curious people who want to learn more about the world around them. Every day, you'll learn something new about things you never knew you didn't know. Subjects include history, science, geography, mathematics, and culture. If you're a curious person and want to learn more about the world you live in, just subscribe to Everything Everywhere Daily wherever you cast your pod. And now, more Chinwag. Well, what, here's another theory, which is... Uh, you know, it's sort of like the crop circle theory, you know, what, what made it. And so if it's not the military, then you think, well, maybe it's like actually hoaxers, you know, people who are actually, yeah, like I know this, hard, it's a hard sell, but I got to go to everything before I get to aliens, you know? No, yeah, no, you should. But hoaxers, like how? Yeah, you should. That's the sensible thing to do, Steve. But, but. Hoaxers meaning what? Like, well, like what you and mean? I go out there with some surgical tools <laughs> in the middle <laughs> of the night. Yeah. Okay. So it's just yeah. Like but hoaxing kids. it, hoaxing <clears throat> it from the get go, or now going like I'm just going to hoax it because this thing happened, and now I'm just going to continue it by hoaxing it. Yeah, I think like uh, th that there could have been some phenomenon that's weird. And and then it it snowballs it, right. yeah, uh -huh. into like a cultural kind is, of tradition. You is know? that the crop circle? Because I can never get this straight with crop circles. Do you know my? Do are you a crop circle person? Well, 
But, you know, <laughs> I, I like you guys, you know, a lot of the vast majority of crop circles are man-made. But here's something yeah, interesting. Okay. Here's something interesting I just learned myself. So um, Colorado Move Farm meets the second Saturday of every month, and we usually bring in guest speakers, and I have speakers on my my podcast. And so we had Dr. Simeon Hine on, and he's written several books, and he's, you know, a brilliant man, and his specialty is crop circles. Uh-huh. And what is interesting, even in the man-made crop circles, when they look at the magnetism uh-huh. they're highly magnetized meaning what meaning something happens when even men make these circles or people men women oh. uh, make these circles that magnetizes or does and you think the so result of the pattern is magnetizing it, not that they they happen to find a magnetized spot to or, make thing on. or they have drawn attention to yeah. buy UFOs now that are now changing right, exactly. the magnetism. That making okay. that thing is causing something to happen. Yeah. I mean, because I, I remember, because I, I had always been in the impression that they weren't man-made. And then I remembered seeing something about these British farmers who were like, yeah. well, the we go out and we just yeah. take these <laughs> things <laughs> and we take them around the thing and blah, blah, blah. And I was like, and I was like, that's actually kind of amazing. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, and you guys do those they fast. Drink, and then, yeah. <laughs> I was like, that's actually pretty impressive. I asked Dr. Simeon that. I'm like, because they made some circles and yeah. tested the I'm like, how long did it take you to make that? They're like, three days. Yeah. I'm like, okay, you can't just make. So there are some that I believe are mysterious from some other phenomenon. Now, whether it's aliens, I don't know, because you got to look at, like, you know, with acoustics, like sound vibration. You know, when you play a certain frequency Uh and you put the sand and it makes those cool geometric. Is it something in the ground that's causing Uh that? I mean, so I'm not going right to aliens here. But we did have that uh, Acebo message. I don't remember the year of that, where we sent out, we sent out a message and then we got an answer back in the fields really close what? to where it was really? and it basically talks about their wait what was the message wait a second okay wait a, wait a second I haven't heard about this so what happened so you, you, you somebody sent out a message saying what yeah basically about human DNA and the population and planet earth mm-hmm. and you know how what if you, you know, guys screwed us all by sending I this I know that's a big risk you guys are taking right. so you send that out and we got a message back in and the form me, of a crop in a circle. form of a, an identical, in a, yeah, in a crop circle. And it basically talked about their height, their beans, their population, where they're from. Yeah, I'll show it to you after we no, get absolutely. Yeah, yeah, it's really that's interesting. That's amazing. And, and I think that's a real one. I do. All right. Yeah. To get back to those <laughs> ranches and your experience. Yeah. So you had experience as a child of mm-hmm. this stuff. Right. And do you remember this stuff? What do you remember yeah, about it? What, yeah, what was the I, deal I, with the ranch and— well, both my sister and I, so my sister's six years older, so I'm nine to 12 years old during these high strangeness years, and my mm-hmm. sister's in her teens, right? So I'm the youngest of the five kids because the people that own the ranch had three sons, three boys. And um, I had um, experiences in the day that were quite frightening. Um, we both experienced just some weird things that never left our minds. So for me, growing up, you know, as we all do, we, you know, grow up, we get married, we have families, we get our education and jobs. And I just had these unanswered questions like, what was all that? And the one thing that stands out the most and what I want our listeners to understand is we were threatened and warned never to talk about what was happening. We we were told, don't you ever talk about told what's happening. Who? Yeah, by who? 
this disembodied electrical voice that In- happened at the ranch house. It was interesting. terrifying. That's so interesting. Terrifying. So me and my sister, we created this little language to talk with each other about. We'd hear the adults kind of talking about police being called and cattle being mutilated and these unmarked helicopters, but we never got the details, right? Yeah. So there were all these unanswered questions. So I never knew anybody knew anything about the ranch property. I didn't know it was investigated. It was just like this secret we had. So when I first, because I always compartmentalized all these different experiences uh-huh. for me because we lived, you know, off Arapahoe Road in, it was Englewood at the time, now it's Centennial, but um, I would have these shadow beings in my rooms and balls of blue orbs and uh-huh. paranormal activity in the house. And I never associated it with what was happening on the ranch. Uh-huh. Now come to find out a lot of these high strangers places and people who visit them have this hitchhiker effect. Okay. That kind of connects to them and follows them to wherever they are back to their homes and paranormal things will happen. So I'm like, Oh my gosh, that I had that my whole life. So the sense it, of being it, watched. these things oh. happen to you in other, other locations. I think something connects. Uh-huh. And, and maybe to other something. family members too. Just, mm-hmm. okay. Yeah. Yeah. Abductions, contactees often run in families. Run in families. Yeah. And well, we just had yeah, somebody just, tell us, we just had somebody tell us firsthand uh, uh, an extraordinary story of, of, of abduction. This, this person wasn't abducted, but the person they were with was abducted. Oh, wow. But what's interesting is that because I want to talk about a disembodied robot voice like, uh, like that. I have never, I haven't heard that as being yeah. a feature of this, and nothing gets me, nothing makes me happier than the, the idea disembodied of a disembodied robot, robot voice. <laughs> that is so fucking freaky. That's so freaky. But one of the things that this guy said, and just telling us this story, because he said this event happened, and they didn't talk about it. The two, these two people. Went their separate ways eventually, but they didn't talk about it for 17 years. Right. And then common. She, the, 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 his, his companion called him and wanted to talk about it because suddenly she wanted to talk about it. But I said to him, why didn't you talk about it? Yeah. Did you feel, were you embarrassed? Did you not want to? Mm-hmm. And he said, no, it's like something told us not to talk about it. hear that often. He said, it was a suggestion, do not talk about it. Mm-hmm. That's fascinating. Now, what, like why, if you had that experience too, and it was like a voice almost, is it you? Do you think that's because aliens are reaching out to select people, and they don't want further, like they don't want that information to spread to the larger community or population? Or you're just like, I don't freaking know why. I, I don't know, and, and that's. I mean, I I really pride myself as being a researcher and investigator because I'm grounded kind of in documents and like. I want to know, like, was that the military? Because everything that right, happened out there, yeah. was that the they mi- can't yeah. do that. Totally. Like, yeah. why? Yeah, totally. Why would? They, but then this, why would they do that? Why didn't they just purchase a land? Why would they go through this enormous <laughs> right. thing? Because they were Sasquatch. Why would they make a robot <laughs> right. voice to yeah. talk to me? They were Sasquatch out there. So Sasquatch. Yeah, Sasquatch out there as well, which oh, you know. Oh, here we go. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he loves Sasquatch. He's very big on Sasquatch. But keep, please, keep yeah, going. Please go. I mean, so if you know the area, it's, you know, it's really rural. And there's only like these patterns. Um, Patches of ponderosa pines, right? There, it's not forested everywhere. It's not like in the Rocky Mountains. I'm like, if there's a family of Sasquatch living there, they have to be going somewhere. You would see them, right? I mean, it doesn't right. make any sense. So I know it's kind of, uh, you know, controversial, but in the Elbert County case, I believe the Sasquatches 
were connected to the craft. And we'll get to that. Yes. So fast forward, I joined MUFON in 2012 because I had all these unanswered questions. I came right in as a field investigator. And let's define right? MUFON just MUFON is the Mutual UFO Network. Mm -hmm. And I, right. I learned about it just watching a documentary on t TV. And I'm like, okay. oh, I'm a graphic designer. I have my degree in visual communications. I'll draw craft and ETs and blah, blah, blah. I never did that, but that was my intention. <laughs> and I can answer you know, this mystery from my childhood. And, and so in 2013, I purchased a book called Hunt for the Skinwalker mm -hmm. by Comte Callieher and George Knapp. Mm -hmm. I start reading the book, get to the chapter Other Hotspots, mm -hmm. and I start reading about the Colorado Ranch of my childhood. Wow. Amazing. And I'm like, I and they nobody knew where the true location was. It was it was dubbed the Clearview Ranch uh -huh. or the Rocky Mountain Ranch. It was this big mystery. Uh -huh. And I'm like, oh, oh, oh I know, I know. <laughs> so, but in that book, they talk about that there were three PhDs that investigated the property. Um, Dr. Leo Sprinkle, PhD from Laramie, sure. and we I drove like that next week. I'm in his office, you wow. know, digging out the files. Um, Dr. Peter Van Arsdale and Dr. Um, uh, Peter Van Arsdale and um, John Durr, who was a seismologist. So uh -huh. he's out on the ranch doing science. science. And so I found John Durr, too, and, and spoke with him about earthquake lights, which is a fascinating topic. But anyway, um, <laughs> <laughs> um, so this was the first I learned. And so the founding father of MUFON, is right here in Colorado, one of the founding fathers, his name's John Schusler. Mm -hmm. And when he learned of my connection to the ranch, he's like, hey, Katie, I have the original uh, APRO report because this was investigated by APRO at the time. APRO Boom. is, yeah, what's uh, APRO? It's, it's like a pre, like it's the pre, um, Pre-move on. Pre-move on. It's a sort of civilian. It's a group of sort of civilians yeah, civilian, who are investigating. Yeah, stuff. we're all volunteers, mm -hmm. and we get reports in. People will see something, and you know, ninety percent of the time, we'll say Starlink satellites, a bug, mm -hmm. a mm -hmm. lens flare. So you know, we we do a lot of flight radar twenty four, heavens above, Stellarium. You know, some people, uh -huh. if you watch the planet Venus for long enough, it looks like it starts to oscillate, yes. and move, and yeah. then they zoom the camera in, and it looks funky, and so you, you know that. <laughs> Kind of yeah, so you try to identify, like, look, yeah. there's a natural explanation yeah. for That's, ninety percent of these that things. First. You eliminate that first. Yeah. But yeah, what a frustrating to. career you have here because <laughs> you're like you eliminate like ninety percent, and then the other ten percent, you're like, I don't know. I, what don't, know. I don't know. And if people tell you they know what it is, where they're from, what the, yeah. they're lying to you because right. none of us know. Right. And so that's funny. But that's you good. Say you that. have an open mind. Yeah. But yeah. I like, love that. But I love that uncanny feeling of not knowing. I like that ten percent that I have no idea is awesome. It keeps you like. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I love that. More with UFO investigator Katie Page after this. And we're back with more Chinwag. Now, give us a little thumbnail sketch of the Skinwalker Ranch. So the Elbert County Ranch predates the Skinwalker okay. Ranch. And basically, if I talk about the Elbert County Ranch, it's identical to the right. Skinwalker okay. Ranch. Either one. So, you talk so, about cool. anything I mean, I just want, want yeah. to talk about what Please. I know more. Yeah, yeah, you yeah. know, I read Absolutely. the book and, you know, I know there's a lot of activity at Skinwalker, but they're so, Fantastic. They're would, so yeah. parallel. Good. So we covered the cattle mutilations and the cow. And at the time, you know, what's another thing, just to finish that topic, in interviewing the sheriff, I mean, it was, it was going on across the whole Midwest. So you had had a mutilation happening in Montana and you had one happening in Elbert County and the the, the the police, the sheriffs were talking to one another and keeping maps. Uh -huh. So they were almost happening at the same time, which uh -huh. is really fascinating. That is okay, fascinating. so but Elbert County was hit the hardest by like a lot. Uh -huh. We had the most than anybody else. And I don't know if that's because of the close proximity to the Air Force Academy, to Camp Carson. Butte has one of the biggest Military military helicopters were there here in Colorado Springs. NORADs out there, uh -huh. whole whole wow. thing. So anyway, um, but we had um, unidentified 
balls of light and craft flying on and off this property for decades. Mm -hmm. And when I was researching the ranch property, the provenance of who owned the property, mm -hmm. I learned that the Mulligans, it was known as the Mulligan Ranch. And I came across this wonderful article about a gentleman named Dick Mulligan. Mm -hmm. And at the Winter Park Ski Resort, there's Mulligan's Mile. It's a, it's a difficult black ski run. And um, so he was born and raised on this very property in Kiowa. Okay. And it said that Dick Mulligan was known for his bold exaggeration and his da 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 da. da. That's what, how he tall was known. Tales. Tall Dick tales. And I'm, tall thinking, tales. and I'm thinking, Dick Mulligan was telling the truth. <laughs> oh, that's old Dick. Really? Dick was, yeah. Okay. Dick was telling the truth. He grew up on that high strangeness ranch. Right. Absolutely. He, he knew. So I found, I found that really interesting, yeah. right? Um, so things for decades. So there were craft. There were, there were two types of beings reported out there. And what's my, my favorite thing that happened to me. So I go to Dr. Sprinkles and I pull the original file and I get the original drawings of both Sasquatch and the ETs. Uh -huh. I've never seen an ET like this before. Okay. It was very unusual. So I'm like, you know, I haven't seen it in movies, television, magazines, nothing. I'm going to stick it in my drawer and see if I see anything else out there like it. <laughs> so fast forward a few months and I invite this nice gentleman who wrote a book, um, called Flashbacks. His um, name is Sean Bartok. And I'm sitting watching his presentation. And he had a property in Castle Rock in the book. Quotes. Come, quote, yeah. <laughs> sure. It actually was only 14 miles away from the ranch, okay? Okay. okay. In a different town. But he, he wrote it as Castle Rock to protect the area. And uh, up pops a drawing of these beings they had interactions with. Uh -huh. And I was like, Looks like side by side, I overlaid them. You couldn't get any closer. So they have these very heavy brows, uh -huh. okay? Wrinkles, wrinkles here, these tubes that came out. Um, not the big wraparound eyes, but larger than our eyes. Almost identical drawings. Tubes. And the tubes in Sean's drawings, they were like tubes in the neck. But on the ranch, they the tubes came out with this like protection thing over their body. So it's like they're really wearing some long, kind of suit that like, has some kind well, of like... some sort of protection of their their torso, uh -huh. but very long spindly arms and legs almost spider-like. Right. Very unusual. Yeah. Very unusual. And they almost so I'm standing in line at, I don't know, Elbertson Safeway, wherever I am, and there's a an issue of popular mechanics. <laughs> and it's all about AI. And they had drawings of these AIs and they had like tubey things. And I'm like, oh, maybe those are AI. Oh my gosh! But the other type, maybe the other the other type that was reported there were these Nordics. Okay, uh -huh. and they said that these two were in conflict with one another. What did, what did they Nordics look like? are a yeah. kind of like, I've heard. Yeah. I, I've never heard about the weird Tubi people. That's yeah, no, really yeah, I have drawings. Like, I, I have drawings. I, I, I'd like to see the Tubi people, but the Nordic thing I've heard about. Because yeah, yeah. what's yeah, no, the they're, Nordic? They're, thing? they're typical blonde, blue eyed, yeah. very you know aliens. Yeah, yeah. Wait, the aliens the look like yes. Scandinavian. Yes. Yes. yes, they have like kind of long yeah. beards, robes. Some really? of them do. Some yeah, of them are reported. Sort of like yeah, this very sort of. But again, what's interesting is. And when is this that people are talking about seeing these? Is this like this was during the seventies, okay. during this whole high strangers? They're, yes, they're and what's too, so interesting yeah. is I feel I feel like I associate those Nordic ones with the seventies. I feel like it's not something you hear about as much now, right? You and know? so that's you bring up a great point, yeah. Because the phenomenon has shifted through the decades, yes. and of course the seventies yeah. are my favorite. I like anything pre like cell phone, <laughs> yeah, internet, too, like, CGI, yeah. like of, give me the yeah. old film, yeah. you know that kind of thing. Um, so that's but, my favorite okay. decade. But back in the seventies, yes. we did have a lot. Of reports of more like 
ETs in suits and they're yeah. craft landing and even reports of people like the ETs coming down and have tr they have trouble with their craft. So they're like fixing the fixing thing. Fixing it, yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah that yeah, kind yeah. of thing. And you're Little like. guys in these kind of like workman uniforms. Yeah, and they're like, like yeah. okay, yeah. and they're on. <laughs> I know it sounds funny. No, I've heard, I've heard all these things too. It's interesting to me that they evolve, yeah. that they're that they're almost culturally determined too. Like you'll yeah. see different kinds of I mean, we're evolving. Things. Why wouldn't yes, they? Yes, why wouldn't the thing evolve? But it's interesting the variety of them is right. also really fascinating. Well, look at our culture. But I, I guess I'm, you know, this is where I get kind of more skeptical. Like I'm really open to the idea of the UAPs of the of the UFO sightings. I don't like UAPs. Not, I like UFOs. Okay, let's stay with UFOs. So let's stay with UFOs. But I guess when I get to the descriptions of the characters, they feel so bound by the culture. Like uh -huh. if That's you've true. got like Gandalf. Look, you know, it's, you know, like an Lord alien and Sasquatch and then the, the greys. I just feel like I'm not saying a person isn't seeing something, but it seems like then they're using the culture around them to lay that on top of what they're experiencing. That somehow it's, it's yeah. informing it in some way. Yeah. Yeah. Let me, let me answer yeah, what that. Yeah yeah yeah, 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 yeah. You can't be in this field um, for years and years and decades and not eventually come to this conclusion. Because I know a lot of what we call nuts and bolts guys, right, that stay in that lane. But you can't ignore the the spiritual side of things, mm -hmm. right, or this weird kind of connection and the, the manifesting. So let's say you know, in 1977, we have Close Encounters of the Third Kind and Star Wars came out and all that. If we as humans, our brains are so powerful, like we're supercomputers, each one of us. Mm -hmm. And if we have the power to create the phenomenon itself, which I think we do to uh -huh. a degree, then that would make sense that we would fall along the lines of popular culture uh, because that's yeah. what we know. We're that's what we're manifesting. We're manifesting in, it anyway. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. So, that's like the contact theory, like Sagan and the film, the, the, the Jodie Foster character sees her father yeah. and is the theory that the alien lets you see something yes. you can relate to yes. or something. Yeah. Is that the well, idea? It's okay. Green memories. The, 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 the Skinwalker Ranch and the and what the ranch you're talking about and like I, all the stuff always makes me think like the Mothman stuff. It's right. like this incredible variety of stuff happening feels like it's like this it's all this sort of individualized manifestation of some baseline weirdness. Mm -hmm. That's like, you know, it's like it'll be a flying saucer and it'll be a Sasquatch. And it can be all of these things. Yeah. And they're all somehow integrated and related in some weird way. Yeah. So it's very kind of spiritual and mystical. Like it is. What we're calling forth out of it, too, is right. some sort of – and I think it's one of the one of the abduction stories I wanted to talk about was the Betty Andreassen one, oh. which to me, do you know, and you know, the Andreassen story? I, I know Betty and Barney Hill. Ah, well, that's a very, we got to talk ben, about that too. <laughs> yeah, we can talk. The Betty Andreassen story, which you, if you don't know it, you should really, yeah. it's fascinating. There's a book called The Andreassen Affair and she was this. Sounds familiar. Yeah. Massachusetts, you know, housewife in the sixties, seventies. Catholic, right? Very Catholic. Oh, I do know this. Yes. Very Catholic. Yes, yes, yes. And her experience. She wasn't alone, right? No. Right. Other, yeah. yeah, her family, family and stuff like involved. that. And, and it followed her around through her life and yeah. she, she got remarried and it's still, and then her new husband started having these things. Mm -hmm. But it's, it is literally like a religious vision. Her And it's very right. different from any of the other ones I've ever read. 
And it literally ends in this vision of a phoenix and a, a coming out of an egg. <laughs> like, and, and it's all very deep religious imagery, mythic imagery. And it reads like a spiritual, like those saints' lives. Or, yeah. 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 And it has a genuine, it's really cool. Yeah. There was a phoenix reported being seen on the ranch. So it's really? funny you brought up phoenix. Yeah. And I was going to say crypt, cryptids, crypt, yeah. cryptids. I mean, there's parts of all these phenomenon that is for me, I try to stay grounded. That seems so like, okay, I don't believe in fairies. I don't believe in cryptid, you know, but the more you're in it and the more interviews you do and the more people you meet that experience these things, just like with Bigfoot and Sasquatch, right? I was not in that camp. Come to find out it's as big as a UFO thing. And there's so many credible witnesses that see these things. In fact, I was just filming uh, for a week at the ranch. I just got to revisit it for the first time you, since my Albert childhood. Ranch. Yeah, uh -huh. wow. that was all. That's all. I can't. I had to sign a non-disclosure, but a lot <laughs> happened. Oh, come on. And you it can changed. Ah, <laughs> oh, I won't get trouble. Um, but I met people in the local bar, local ranchers. And with this one guy, he's like, okay, me and my brother, we were out on our property in Elbert County, you know, hunting um, elk. So mm -hmm. you can see the elk in the photo. And then you see this big foot. And I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, why are you getting rich on this photo? Like, you could be like, because it's right. a really good pitch, picture. Really? He's like, oh, no, I don't want to. Like, yeah. They didn't want, they don't want that. Well, that's a big part. And I'm like, they're yeah. still here. It's still happening. There's a UFO Bigfoot <laughs> connection. Is there a sort I've, of. I believe in certain. Yeah. Explain that yeah. for me. That's fascinating. I, I, I'm, uh, I, see, I am a, a fan of the Bigfoot hypothesis because <laughs> I, 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 um, I, I like the idea that there could be uh, an interbreeding population of primates that we don't know about yet. So I'm a huge fan of cryptozoology and cryptids, okay, but yeah. I treat it more like a Darwinian might, you know, right. like there's a kind of biological species that we haven't discovered. When you get, when you connect it to UFOs, <laughs> I'm like, whoa, that's not what I was talking about. <laughs> you know, how, what are you thinking is the connection? Yeah. And I think both exist. And let okay. me just throw this out yeah. to you. If we have, okay, first of all, the the amount of habitable planets out there now that we know is mind-blowingly huge. Sure, like yeah. we can't even wrap our heads around it. So who's to say that there's not a species, uh -huh. an alien species that are say, Sasquatch? Yeah. Maybe that's where they come from. Intelligent Sasquatch. They well, could maybe be that's, ET. Maybe, maybe they are ETs. Yeah. Well, and certainly there are, there are. There are accounts of people seeing these kind of hairy creatures on UFOs. Yeah. On them. Yeah. I mean, I've, so it's like. There's a great book by Stan Gordon that talks about these. And this is, again, going on for decades and it's controversial. People are like, no, either in one camp or the other, but I think both can exist. Sure. Like, yeah, it's like no, we're connecting I think it's everything. All in the <laughs> we, I we're think all it connected. all connects. I, I actually think it's this kind of unified <laughs> field theory. Thing. Of, of I don't high actually high have theory. a unified field theory about it, <laughs> but I think there is one that well, can connect all these things. Is that yeah. what you yeah. call high strangeness? Is that sort of the way that you would link? What does high strangeness mean? Is it sort of like Paul saying, all this stuff is sort of connected. Yeah, high strangest areas in in my definition from my is when you have multiple phenomena. You have the blacked out and the other interesting thing: these blacked out um, helicopters that were flying on and off these properties, they were chasing people. Mm -hmm. They were like menacing. There's articles written about them. Mm -hmm. I'm like, yeah, why yeah, would yeah. they do that? Yeah. I ran into Richard Doty. Richard Doty was a disinformation officer. And recently he's come kind of back out in the limelight and is talking about what his job was and what he did and why. And and I get all that. Our military, we have secrets we need to cover. Sure. If people are uh, reporting to MUFON something unusual in the sky and it's one of our secret 
craft, they want to know about it. Well, yeah. when, they, when you say he's a so, dis disinformation officer, is he is he like running interference on the on the military yeah, truth, I mean, like if, he's men in black kind yeah, of thing? Let, is let, like, let's, let's say you know theory, we're flying something and somebody reports yeah, it, they have to. They want to tell okay. you, like, yep, yeah. that's a UFO. It's they're not ours. You about yeah, it. yeah, yeah, yeah. They're so tell you something. they oh, give yeah. a little, a lot of truth and a little bit of lies. Okay. Okay. So Richard Doty, I, I ran into him at a conference in Laughlin, and I'm like, hey, a Richard. A lot of truth and a little bit of lies has got to be a good time. A lot of truth and a little bit of lies. I like it. Yeah. And so I said, hey, Richard, I'm just curious. Were you aware of this ranch property in the 70s? And he goes, absolutely, we were. Wow. Um, Amazing. And so he has, so here's a whole other piece this, to this puzzle. So I found out through the research that um, we had a no-fly zone for a while, and even Stapleton Airport at the time had unidentified craft on radar. And so there was a report in the briefing document that I got of two um, A-10 interceptors that had crashed in Elbert County in pursuit of a UFO at night. Mm -hmm. And so Richard Richard Doty told me, he goes, hey, if you want to get, you know, do a FOIA, you can FOIA Kirkland Air Force Base in, to the mishaps and, office. And, a FOIA and so is... a, a Freedom of Information Act. Okay, good. okay, so I did. I get, it's in my backpack right here. I got a big thick packet back from the, the crash. It was a student and an instructor in um, two interceptors at night, and they had 255 rounds of live ammunition on board flying over residential neighborhoods out there in Elbert County. And what's interesting, so there's a lot of blacked out redacted yeah, stuff sure, talking yeah. about secrets and lies. Yeah. Um, but what's interesting, one of the causes of the crashes is that the instructor misidentified the rotating beacon of another aircraft as the students. And he hit the tail. Both pilots ejected. Oh, yeah. uh -huh. Both survived. But they never in any of the transcripts or anywhere identify the other aircraft. They uh -huh. don't say you know, it's a Cessna or whatever. Uh -huh. Uh -huh. And what's interesting about that, one of my favorite researchers in the field is David Marler. And outside of um, Albuquerque, New Mexico, he has the biggest historian library of all old documents. He has original Project Blue Book. Oh, wow. KUFOS, cool. NICAP, all these big wow. organizations. So, matter of fact, when I was there, uh, I guess maybe six, seven months ago, he had two big full boxes sitting on his table that is, is yet to be filed, and they're all pilot reports. Oh, wow. Okay, so if you want to ask me what turned my mind from being a non-believer yeah. to a believer, no, that's, compelling. that's it. Compelling that's stuff, it. Yeah. Let me just sort of throw oh, a few ideas yeah. here and here just for listeners. So basically, because you mentioned Project Blue Book, people may not know that in the 1940s, yeah. you had like the, these interesting, you know, pilot observations yeah. and Roswell, yeah. and then you got the start of Project right. Blue Book, yeah. and then which like, was the which was the Air Force's official investigation into them, and Alan, and, yeah, official, and that's Alan Hynek too was yes. part of that. Oh yeah, yeah. 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 And are, then just yeah. to update it to, to the present, I just wanted to mention to people that then that ended, <laughs> but then it looks like we started again a governmental well, program. Yeah, I don't think we ever stopped. That's all. Okay, right, right, right. <laughs> I, I don't right. imagine we ever stopped. I don't think either. so either. But yeah, yeah I don't imagine right. we ever stopped. But the right. report came out more recently that was also very expansive. Well, that's a whole detailing. Thing. Yeah, that is. Yeah, yeah. That's, but go ahead. Yeah. So, yeah, so these two interceptors, so is that David Marler's? I'm like just going through, I'm always trying to pull, you know, any other correlating cases in that same time frame from across the country. And I come across, we have a NORAD station in Canada. And right there, it was like a seven to 12 page, white page paper about NORAD scramble two interceptors in pursuit of a UFO. And then in this paper, I'm reading it, goes, oh yeah, this, you know, it made the front page of National Enquirer. And David goes, hey, I bet I have that. And he goes to his files, boop, 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 boop. 
front page. He's got the uh-huh. two interceptors scrambled in pursuit of a UFO. So they admitted, and this was the same time that Elbert County they admitted that they had scrambled jets in pursuit of an unidentified craft on radar out of Canada. And I'm like, and I'm like, so it makes sense to me they did the same thing out here. So now, what about the possibility that? Um, Again, like I'm still trying to eliminate other options until we get to aliens. What We're about making the possi- a believer out of yeah, yeah. I, I'm, That's my goal. That's what, my end whole goal. What, what about the possibility that what we're looking at is, you know, Chinese tech or, you know, yeah, foreign like the, tech, maybe our own tech that's uh-huh. being tested and then getting seen, you know. How do you eliminate all that as a possibility? Or you don't? You, I mean, you, you look at the Tyran-Iran case. <laughs> that's how you eliminate What's that? Woo, that's an unbelievable yeah. case with, I mean, and even in, oh, this is a whole other topic too. Go ahead. Balloons, yeah. The balloons we just shot down. Sure, yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyway. Well, that all <laughs> seemed like some weird cover that, for something, right? Yeah. I mean, it was yeah, just too that's strange. crazy. So they shut down the intr- instrumentation on these jets. These were close encounter sightings. What was happening? This was this a is, big is, diamond is, thing, and they see this other craft who, who come down. Who was seeing this? The, the pilots in Iran. So in the our, writer, in our, no, not our pilots. Iranian pilots. Iranian pilots. pilots. And uh-huh. they, they engaged in this thing. And I mean, it's an incredible report, and it's backed by so many witnesses and data and, you know, all this stuff. So it's an incredible And case. what was this? Oh, I was afraid you were going to ask me that. Oh, I think, I believe it's in the 70s as well. Oh, okay. Um, 78, perhaps. I'm not sure, but... So, so that sounds that sounds <laughs> weird, good. but then I'm I'm still thinking like why why couldn't that be like a special government program? I mean, you always think of superpowers like the U.S., China, yeah. Russia. Well, nobody thinks about Russia as being able to do this anymore, but but um, <laughs> clearly not. You know capable. why not? You know maybe there's some secret cabal working in Singapore in a bunker, you know, and they're designing this. Yeah, or no, it's, it's in some, Antarctica. Yeah, yeah, right, yeah, right. yeah. It's, it's the Nazi UFOs out of Antarctica. It's <laughs> a lot of that. <laughs> That's at least easier to believe than than a- aliens. I think that's f- for me. Sure, and I you're looking probably, at me like I'm the <laughs> no, 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 like, no, no, no. I mean, I think that <laughs> no, we get it. I, I don't. I I believe that there's definitely weird stuff going on. There's all kinds of like they're developing all kinds of invisible aircraft and stuff right. like that. I mean, they, they really syndrome. are. And I mean, that shit is actually going on. And I mean, right. they've done all this crazy right. stuff, the remote right. viewing yeah. stuff. And yeah. they've done plenty of crazy stuff. I'm sure there's guys at the Rand Corporation <laughs> working on time travel uh, yeah. and shit yeah. like that. I mean, they're doing it. Oh, yeah. But, I mean, but, that might have even existed, right? Time Project, travel? Yeah, Project Looking Glass. In your defense. Wait a second. <laughs> oh, Project Looking Glass. Yeah, all right, yeah. of course. Wait a second. Just tell me, what is Project Looking Glass? <laughs> what is it? Holy crap, Steve. Project Looking Glass. What in God's name is that all about? It sounds incredibly badass. <laughs> I know that. <laughs> terrifying. Steve, are you intrigued? I, I am intrigued, and I have a sense that it might have something to do with time travel, but uh, I'm not sure. It's a cliffhanger. What is, what is the Pentagon not telling us, Steve, <laughs> about time travel? Jesus Christ. This is just it this is just a it was just a litany of freaky shit yeah. that we were getting from uh, that we've been getting from Katie Page. And uh, please join us next week to continue the insanity in part two of our interview with Katie Page from Colorado's MUFON. Yes. And by the way, by the way, friends, don't forget to rate and review us on Apple Podcasts, please. Leave us kind and reviews. And questions. We, know, yeah. we want questions, too. That's also true. Questions, 
Or your thoughts comments. in general. Yeah, fan mail is great, too. Send us fan mail. We have received yeah. some letters, and we are reading them and really enjoying them. So keep that going, because we're going to definitely read some of these on, on air. Absolutely. Uh, so that's part two. Next week, Katie Page, Project Looking Glass. <laughs> Chinwag, out. <laughs> Chinwag is a production of Treefort Media and Touchy Feely Films, hosted and executive produced by Paul Giamatti and Stephen Asma. Executive producers for Treefort are Kelly Garner and Lisa Ammerman. Dan Carey is executive producer for Touchy Feely. Our series producer is Rachel Whitley Bernstein. Our associate producer is Andrew Miller. Original theme music by Luke Topp, with additional music by Via Mardot. Oscar Guido is our executive in charge of production. Tom Monahan is head of audio for Treefort. Animation created by Alex Sokol. Audio production, supervision, and editing by Maxwell Carney. Additional audio assistance and mixing by Jeff Neal. Video editing by Brian Barcheski. With additional production management from Renee Levesque. Clara Wong is Celestial Empress of Benevolent Knowledge. Lastly, for more information, go to chinwagpod.fm and find us on Instagram or TikTok at ChinwagPod or on Twitter at Chinwag underscore pod. <laughs>